you see the big zeros up there? That means it's time to start. Hallelujah. Everybody stand up. Welcome to Sunday night service. I hear there's about 30 people over in Victory going through membership classes. That's pretty cool. So I'm really excited about that. That's the most we've ever had so far. You always have to say so far because you don't want to put a tap on it. You know what I mean? So anyway, hallelujah. Well, let's say our faith confession for America. You ready? All right. Father, we come to you in unity's name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America, in Jesus' name, amen. And you know what? We also lose life, the sanctity of life over the United States of America. We're going to figure out how to write that in there. Amen. Well, you may be seated. I'll go over the announcements with you. Nursery and Children's Church and youth groups are back up, so, you know, make sure you'll be bringing your kids. All that stuff's ready to go again. The giving letters were emailed emailed to you this week. We used to put them in a box in the back, but they're emailed now. Unless you need a hard copy, then there's a sign-up sheet in the info booth. booth, Let's say that. Info booth back there, and you can (laughs) sign your name back there, and they'll make sure that you get a hard copy of it. What's happening Friday night, February the 4th? Anybody know? Married's night, 6.30 p.m. It's Italian night, so bring your favorite Italian dish. There is child care available, so that's good news. So praise the Lord. I'm excited about that. Josh and Julie are, are over our, our married ministries, and we have a, for those of you who are new, we have a married thing every quarterly, quarterly, you know. So anyway, they do a great job. So not only are we going to meet there and eat food, but they'll have a lesson, and they'll have probably a game or two for us to play. So it'll be a lot of fun. Seventh-day slumber. I think seventh-day slumber was here one time. But they're going to be at Barstow Community College on February uh, the 19th at 6 p.m., but you have to have tickets. So go to B-C-C-P-A-C, Barstow Community College, com in order to get tickets. Okay? Hallelujah. All right. Well, guess what time it is? It's happy time. So if you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hands, and our ushers will be more than happy to give you one. I got a short and sweet verse for you tonight. You ready for this? Leviticus 27:30. You ought to be able to quote it back to me. What's it say? Anybody know? Don't read it. Don't read it up there. Anybody know what it says? Aha! You do not know. This is short. It's kind of like Psalms 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's short and sweet, right? Leviticus 27, 30 says this, the tithe is holy and it belongs to the Lord. That's an easy one to remember. You know what? Come over here, James. Let me see one of those envelopes. Thank you, sir. If you would look on, if you ever look on these things, there's, there's tithe and offering scriptures on there. So that you can look on there 
and you can start learning the word and having faith for your giving, right? It says Malachi 3, 8 through 10, Philippians 4, 19, Luke 6, 38, Deuteronomy 8, 18, and Psalm 35, 27, plus the one I just said, Luke 27, 30, which says, tell, read it back to me, what's it say? I know you're going to read it, right? Yeah. But it says the tithe is easy. The tithe is holy. Who's it belong to? The Lord. Doesn't belong to you, does it? So what are you hanging on to it for? Belongs to the Lord. Amen. Okay. Let's say our financial faith confession, then we'll turn this over to the praise team, and away they go. Amen. Let's stand up, please. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offering today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so that I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously into the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Feel free to join us at the altar as we worship tonight. Time with you, I'm making all things new, and your light is breaking through the dark. Your love it is sweeter than wine, and bringing joy, bringing light, and your hope is rising light in the dawn. And this is what you do, this is what you do. Make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. Make me come alive. Let's sing. It's always like spring. It's always like springtime with you. We're making all things new. Your light is breaking through the dark. With love it is sweeter than wine. I'm bringing joy life. Your hope is rising like the dawn. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do, you make me come alive. This is what you do, this is what you do, you make me come alive. This is what you do, this is what you do, you make me come alive. One more time, let's sing it's always. It's always like springtime with you, we're making all things new. Your light is breaking through the dark. 
Yes, love, it is sweeter than wine. I'll bring you joy, bring life. Your hope is rising like the dawn. Now this is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. 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 Make me come alive. Make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. Make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. This is what you do. This is what you do. You make me come alive. It's like I'm living for the first time. Finally living for the first time. It feels like I'm living for the first time. Finally living for the first time And this is what you do This is what you do You make me come alive This is what you do And this is what you do You make me come alive There's nothing worth more That could ever come close Nothing can compare You're our living hope Your presence, I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves when my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Your presence, oh. Let's sing this. Bye.
your presence, Lord. There's nothing worth more, no one ever come close, no thing can compare, you are living home, your presence. Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves. When my heart becomes free and my shame is undone, your presence, Lord. Let's sing that.
your presence, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we love you. We're here to serve you. Lord, we're here to bring you glory. Now we know how we live when we leave here. That gives you the most glory. We know the people we reach out to in your name and influence them for the kingdom of God. That's what really gives you joy. And Father, as we tonight are gathered together as your sons and your daughters in faith, we thank you for speaking to every one of us tonight. We thank you we're going to receive more of your nature, Lord. In Second Peter, Peter said we are partakers of the divine nature. As we learn about you and gain knowledge of you and walk it out in our lives. So we thank you tonight, Lord. We're going to take another piece of the divine nature. We're going to become more like you in our actions. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I already preached me happy. You know, I, I, I was thinking as we were getting ready to open up about our, our Bible verse for the year of Joshua 24, 15. As for me and my house, now listen to this. You know, I, I think Christians need to get perspective about what the Bible words mean. As for me and my house, we will, we will serve the Lord. Didn't say we will tell the Lord what to do. We will tell the Lord how to do it. We'll tell the Lord when to do it, et cetera, et cetera. Just think about this. If you went down to Peggy Sue's, Los Domingos, Jenny's, or someplace else, who gives the directions, the server or the customer? Server says, what can I do for you? And if the customer says, I want something that's totally goofy off the menu, mix it with this, they're the ones speaking to the server, and the server's the one supposed to do what they're asked to do. And so if Jesus tells us, here's what I want you to do, say, yes, Lord, I'm here to serve you. I said I would. Okay. Well, you want to be, well, I'm thinking about singing and stuff like that, or about teach or anything else like that. The Lord says, well, if you said you're willing to do anything, I'd like you to volunteer for the nursery now. And he said, oh, I just gagged when I changed my own baby's diapers. I can't do that. Well, you said you're here to serve me. And so, you know, I'm not taking everything from nursery. This is just totally, totally, totally talking right now. I think about that word serve. If we want to serve the Lord, it's time to quit being the one giving the orders. It's time to start taking some orders. He tells you where to go. You know, I think about the word Lord. You know, the, in, in some of the translations, when the uh, disciples talked to him, they, they called him master. They called him Lord, called him teacher. But the main thing is, if he's the master and he's the Lord, then the one that's the master should be able to have some influence to speak into your life. You know, I, I just looked at all the different faces and some reason or other, I'd like to pick on Dave. He's just a good picker. But I think about, I think about Dave. I know Dave, Dave is a disciple. I know that Dave's the kind of man, he doesn't just say, Jesus, I receive you as Lord of my life. Dave says, Jesus, I receive you as Lord of my life. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to spend my money? Is it okay if I hang out with these people, Jesus? I'm not going to hang out with them just because I want to be like them because I know they're not serving you. I want to hang out with them because I want to influence them, Jesus. Amen. We should let Jesus 
be the one to tell us who our friends are. To tell us what we can watch, where we can go. That is if we're serving him. You know, we're the ones that the server comes up and, 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 and says, Mrs. Pastor, uh, I need, I need a, I, would you like another refill? And say, yes, give me another refill. Give me two this time. Well, if she's the one that's called the shots and the server's the one there to serve, then the server doesn't say, no more refills, you've already had too much. But I'm really thirsty today. Well, the server just says, yes, ma'am, and brings you two glasses of water this time. Because the server serves. Amen. Uh, what, what was that restaurant you worked at, Monica? I haven't been there for so long. What is it? Chili's. Went to Chili's, man. They had a lot of stuff there. Those servers stayed busy because we went there. But the thing is, if they pay you to serve, you serve. And what's, what's the pay that Jesus gives us, the anointing, the blessings of God? We don't earn them because we serve with no strings attached. But then Jesus blesses us with no strings attached. He is what's a heart. So anyway, <clears throat> our verse for the year, let's just not say, man, we got a nice little verse. I'm going to learn that verse. going to learn that verse. Well, you don't get stars on your page like Sunday school class for learning the verse. You live the verse. And so when Jesus, when Jesus gives you directions to do something to serve him, it's just, yes, sir, I'm so grateful for you using me, Lord. Thank you for, thank you for letting me change those diapers. Thank you for letting me sweep that parking lot. Lord, thank you. And I, 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 I remember, I remember when I, when I was a baby Christian, got hooked up to the Pentecostal church. I saw all those people get to do things. I didn't get to do anything. Well, I remember they was having a work day one day. This was one of the first things I got to do in the church. I got to pick up broken up pieces of cement and nails with boards hit and stuff like that and haul them over to the dumpster. And I was just almost crying all the time. That's the first thing I got to do to serve Jesus was pick up debris. Is that the right word, Miss Pastor? She's corrected me on that for 40 years. So I praise God I got it right that time. But anyway, that's what I'm saying. If we're going to serve the Lord, then let's remember. It's not, Jesus, do this. Father, do this. Oh, God, I want you to do this. It's, Lord, what do you want me to do? Amen. A little better preach than you are shouting. All right, open up to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And for your notes, the title is, and this, this, I believe this will speak to people. If not for right now, you'll see things from the past where you needed this. And for the future, you'll always need this. And the title is, What to Do When It Seems Like Nothing Is Happening. Anybody ever went through seasons where it seems like nothing's happening? You're not feeling anything? You're not hearing anything? You just feel like you're beating your head up against the wall spiritually. You read your Bible, and the Bible seems like it's not alive. You go to church, looks like everybody's getting blessed but you. You hear all kinds of testimonies about what God's doing, and you just feel like, I don't feel nothing. And I know one, I, I know that uh, <laughs> I remember my pastor's wife, when I was a baby Christian, she used to make this statement sometimes, stuff be going on. And she said, if you don't feel God in this place, you're not saved. And I'd look up and I'd go, I know I'm saved, Jesus, but I don't feel you. <laughs> but I know I'm saved. Well, you know what? You don't serve God by feelings. You serve him by faith. And, you know, so many times there's seasons of life when you're feeling nothing, you're hearing nothing, you're reading your Bible, 
because you know it's the right thing to do. You read your Bible, and you're praising Him and thanking Him, and you feel deader than a doorknob. I never did understand that without doorknob to be dead, but deader than a doorknob. <laughs> but anyway, the whole thing is, that's the time that your faith is the greatest. Because we walk by faith, not by sight. When you're not feeling anything, you're still praising Him. You're doing that by faith. That is faith. And, you know, I think about that footprints in the sand thing. Everybody's seen the footprints in the sand thing. I mean, man, that makes so, so much sense to a serious faith Christian because you know it. The times when nothing was going on that you could see, yet you praised him anyway. That's the time the greatest things were happening. And then all, then all of a sudden, when the thing's all over with and the answer shows up, the whole world could see it, they said, man, I bet you jumped and shouted. Said, no, actually, I didn't. So I jumped and shouted for the last six months, but I was out of shouts. I, I just knew I had it. So when it, when it showed up in the natural, I just thanked him for it because I'd already been thanking him for it anyway, and I couldn't see it. Amen. And so, and so what, what to do when it seemed like nothing's happening? And so I, I, I realized as, as I wrote this sermon out this afternoon that this, this is a lot what Pastor Dave preached this morning. And so I just put a note right here underneath that title is live intentional. And you're going to see how that fits in here, live intentional. Philippians 1, 6, being confident. Does everybody know what confidence is? If you're confident about something, you're confident you're going to get the job. You're confident you're going to get the right answer. You're confident that check showed up in the mail. You're, whatever you're confident about, that means you really believe it and you got it, and you're not in fear or doubt anymore. You're confident. Being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That means that God's going to finish what he started. You can be confident God's going to finish what he started. And I, I was just laying in bed taking a nap before this afternoon. I always like to do that on Sunday, especially when I'm going to preach. And I was just thanking him for that in my life. I mean, <clears throat> I'm not in a season where I don't feel like anything's happening. I know great things are happening, and I'm not dry. I'm not saying, man, where are you, Lord? I just I was thanking him for the time we live in 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 world history right now in 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 Bible time and of what's going on. I was thanking him for what he's doing in my life, my wife's life, the church. I'm confident that everything he's begun in us, he's going to finish. So I just thinking about all the times over the years, though, when I've had seasons, when I've had dry seasons, not because I wasn't reading my Bible, not because I wasn't praying. Not because I wasn't going to church. It's just in one of those seasons, kind of a lull in between seasons, where nothing's going on. And I remember over and over and over again the last 42 years, I wrote my Bible to Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And by faith, I say, Lord, I'm confident that you're going to finish what you started in my life. Lord, I'm confident this very thing in which I've begun a good work in me will finish what you started. I just say that over and over again, just think that he's going to do that, because that's what you do. You speak the word, you pray the word. But anyway, that, that, that verse is going to be so strong that I live by that. And so as I, as I was thinking about this sermon, I realized that I'm confident that he's going to finish his good work in me. But then what he wants me to teach you tonight is that you've got to finish the good work that he gave you. Can he be confident in you? Can Jesus have confidence in you? that you will finish what you started. That's something good to think about, isn't it? You know, I praise God 
that, that I had a pastor before I came to California, Dr. Barclay, that we were in a season that wasn't a very pleasant season. After many years successful ministry, man, we got hit and slammed and missiles and everything spiritually where we felt like we were on a sinking ship. And then because I was submitted to authority, met with my pastor, Dr. Barclay. I'd been a pastor for years. I was a TV preacher twice a week back in Indiana. I had great influence in the area I was at. And so anyway, I met with Dr. Plant, uh, Dr. Barclay. He's told me, Mrs. Pastor, said, you know what? God's not finished with you. He's finished with you in Indiana. You need to find out what he's got next. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what we did. We went into prayer, found out. And then I heard the Beverly Hillbilly song. Said California is the place you ought to be. <laughs> so we headed up the Pisky truck and moved to Barstow. <laughs> it wasn't Beverly Hills we found out. <laughs> no, nah, but what am I saying? I'm saying this. Just because things dried up over there, didn't mean he was finished because Philippians 1.6 said I could be confident he was going to finish what he started. But you know what? I and my wife had to be willing to do something different. Amen. We had to be willing to do something different. So we had to pack up everything, gave away stuff, gave away a church building, gave a church building to another church. We did all we knew to do. And what didn't fit the pisky, we told the neighborhood, it's a free-for-all, guys. This church door's unlocked, and everything in here that's in here out in the yard, you guys can have it. Just come and get it. We gave up what we had because we knew God was greater, and we had to go follow him, what he had for us. We were willing to serve him. Yes, Lord, California. And I'm not going to tell you what I heard about California, what I thought back then, because I found out that I come to California. I came here to help change California not to let California change me. But he sent me to a really good region, really good area with a lot of good people to do a lot of things. And so we can send undercover agents out of here to other parts of California that need more of what we got of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Doing better preaching than you are shouting. Isaac, how many does that make? He's, he, he counts me on those now. <laughs> Amen. And so, and so I want you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to show you, show you some verses that have helped me over the years when I was going through these seasons. I'm going to, I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible, so, and not, not, not the new Living Bible, but my old Living Bible. And Philippians chapter 9, I mean, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 is so good. And uh, where's Heidi at? Chuck and Heidi, Chuck and Heidi, Chuck and Heidi. Wait. Oh, man, I need doctors see you guys back there. <clears throat> when I was reading this afternoon, Heidi, I thought about you all the way through it. And when you see these verses, you'll know why. <clears throat> and so uh, it says this, In a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets first prize. So run your race to win. Run your waste race to win. Run your race to win. And so, not only are you in the human race, but you're also in a race which is God's plan and purpose for your life. And I think about Heidi. Heidi, Heidi's a, I don't know what you call those things even. What do you call those things, Heidi? Quads. Uh, I don't know 
if that sounds like a toy or something like that, but I've seen them. They're not toys. They're real. They're serious. And Heidi's a real racing woman. She's a racing machine. Everybody sees her on Facebook or Instagram and things like that. No, she is. But I know that Heidi, when she does that, she's running her race to win. And she's starting to beat some men. She's doing good. Well, let's think about this now, what Paul's talking about. He was talking about natural races back then, talking about Olympics and things like that. But he said, there's a lot of people in the race who said, you need to run your race to win. And we're talking about our Christian faith, God's plan for our life. Remember this morning I told you back in uh, 1989 when Pastor Dave had just got a hill of leukemia, that evangelist grabbed my hand and said, put him up. And the Lord told me, he said, that's how you've been running your race, just halfway. He wouldn't let me put my hands up like this and just give him the little praises. He wanted them all the way up. And so God is very serious about your Christian life. God's plan for your life. We'll talk about that as we're going to this message. But we need, if you, if you want to be confident for what Jesus is doing in you and him to have confidence in you, then he's got to see you that you're serious. You've got to have, you got to have it in your mentality that whatever it is you're doing in your Christian life, you're going to do, try to be the best one there ever was. Amen. Whatever it is you're doing, if you're going to run your race to win, you're going to run it to win. You're going to practice. You know, I think about Heidi again, but also I've got a granddaughter that's been training for the Olympics and swimming for all of her life, really. She's probably about 17 years old. I haven't seen her for, what, about three years? But I know for ever since she's a little girl, she really, 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 my, da- my daughter down in Florida really has... Man, I don't know what you call it. Uh, a lot of a lot of faith, a lot of tenacity, a lot of it because that girl has practiced swimming basically seven days a week for the last probably ten years or longer. They got a swimming pool in their backyard, but I don't know if she ever swims in it because when I've been out there on vacation, every night, every night after swimming in the daytime, seven in the morning time, every night. There's a bunch of those girls go to this place where they got this Olympic trainer trains them every night for two hours, a lot of times longer. And that's what she's done. She's been doing this all of her life. And, you know, I I just think about that stupid stuff going on right now in the world about this swimming stuff. But I I think about my little granddaughter. She has been serious all of her life. It's in her heart. She wants to win the Olympics. She's been doing this all of her life. But the mom factor, the mom have to be there all this time taking her and doing all these things. And we as Christians should recognize that our life on earth is so short. What God wants us to do is something we ought to be serious about. Amen. So he said, so run your race to win. I want to stick with my notes so I don't get off, get off on track on this. And so anyway, I want you to hold your place and look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 and 19. We'll be back to King James on this. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18 and 19. Talk about running our race to win. And that's God's plan and God's purpose for our life as Christians. The specific plan he has. And I I like this here, the way he says this. Verse 18, verse 17 tells us that we're new creatures in Christ. He says, in our new nature, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. And this sentence right here is not given just for preachers, this is for every son or daughter of God. If you're a born-again Christian, he said in verse 17, you're a new creature in Christ, your nature's of him. He said he's given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. 
Every born-again Christian is in the ministry as far as God's concerned. The ministry of reconciliation. And then he tells you in verse 19 what, it is, what that is. It says to wit, or that is, that God, here's the ministry of reconciliation. We're supposed to tell everybody we can at every opportunity, <clears throat> God was in Christ. It was God in Christ. You know, a lot of people don't understand how this whole thing is. But Jesus Christ was Jesus Christ, but it was God in him. In Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing, not holding their trespass unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. The word of reconciliation. And I'm talking about what to do when it seems like nothing's happening. I'm talking about living an intentional life, running your race to win. And so God's primary purpose for every born-again Christian includes preachers as well as laymen. And laymen, someone's not in the full-time ministry. A layman means church members. If you're a member of God's family through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, then you're a member of the ministry of reconciliation. That's what you're to do. That's what you're to do, a ministry of reconciliation. And so uh, I, I like, I, you've heard, probably heard me talk about Gary Rakich. He was my best friend for years. We were running around buddies for our married Mrs. Pastor. And then I, anyway, I, cha I changed allegiances. He's still a good friend. But Gary always got to teach Bible school classes and Sunday school classes and stuff like that. But God had me go around preaching at churches and training in the ministry. And so after we'd been uh, saved for several years, Gary told me one day, he said, you know what? He said, I know that another friend was Roger, said, said Roger, Roger's called to preach. And said, I know that George is called to preach. And Bertie, it's obvious you're called to preach. said, I was asking Jesus, Jesus, if I'm called to preach, I don't know it. What am I called to do? And he said, just as clear as the bell, the Lord said, I've called you to be a strong believer. In the ministry of reconciliation, one of the number one agreed is to be successful at it, run your race to win, you've got to be strong. You know, I think about the swimming thing. A beginning swimmer could never save somebody that was drowning. You've got to be a pretty proficient swimmer if you're going to go out there and save somebody that's around and doing all kinds of wild things, hitting at you, and et cetera, et cetera. You've got to know what you're doing. And so a baby Christian can win some, but the more you grow as a believer in what you know, then the more wild people you can get to. You get, you, you get, you get a demon-possessed person out there and you try to help them, they'll eat your lunch. So when you become a strong believer, you laugh at demons. You just do what Paul did. You do what Jesus did. You say, Satan, be still and come out of him in Jesus' name. And that's the end of the story. But you've got to be a strong believer. And then once you get the devil taken care of in somebody's life, then you can reconcile them to God through Jesus Christ. Then you can pray with them. I've seen this happen so many times, so many times in my one-on-one, -on -one, so many ministry out on the streets and places I've been. It's so easy once you take care of the devil to get to their heart. You know, the Lord told me one time, Gary and I, that particular two or three day stint, I think we probably led 100 people to the Lord. We were single, we could travel and do things. And we were minister, minister, minister. And the Lord told me back then, said, the first thing you got to do is make sure you get the name of Jesus into the conversation. He said, no matter how, no matter 
how lost they are, how mean they are, how hateful they are. He says says like those wild animals. They used to have the wild animal kingdom on TV back then at different shows. He says like that tranquilizer dart. You get a big hippopotamus charging at you. You hit up that dart and it's paralyzed. He said you get the name of Jesus out there and it paralyzes the demons. Let's try to use that person. He said once you hit that dart, the name of Jesus, the devil's paralyzed. And then you can talk to the person and not to the spirit. Talk about the ministry of reconciliation. What do you do when it looks like nothing's happening? You've always got to be on the watch for who you can talk to. And you know, sometimes you don't get open doors. But you always got to be ready. You know, it's like the server. You know, uh, when, I, when, I go to, when I go to a restaurant, I don't know about you, but when I'm ready for a refill, if I'm drinking coffee and having bacon and eggs at the restaurant, I don't want to be all the way done and lick my plate. And they bring me the bill says, sir, do you want a refill? Well, I would have liked to have had one 15 minutes ago when I was still eating, but don't think you, I don't want one now. I wanted to thin when I was eating. That's what I wanted mine. And so as a server, they don't bother me. If they come back every three or four of us say, sir, you need more coffee? You, need more co- you want some more water? You want anything? That doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother Jesus. If you say, Jesus, please give me somebody to witness to today. Jesus, show me. Show me who my case is. Lord, show me who it is. And, you know, I think about when I was a truck driver. I drove big trucks, 18-wheelers. And I had routes a lot of times where I went from factory to factory, warehouse to warehouse, lots of places. But for the first time I got up in the morning time, I had my time with the Lord. I said, Lord, I want to thank you. Psalms 37, 23 says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way. And, Lord, I know... I know that I've got a supervisor, I've got a dispatcher that's going to choose my route where I go today, but Lord, I ask you before I get there to talk to him. Show him where it is you want me to go, Lord. I ask you to look around and show me where the people are that need you that I can help. And that's the way I always pray, that's where I believe. Amen. You see what I'm saying? I said, Lord, I want to serve you, I want to help people. I don't want to just go around places where they're telling dirty jokes and just doing all kinds of stupid stuff, although most of the time that's the places he sent me. Because that's the people that need him. Where sin does abound, grace is much more abound. Amen? And so I found out so many times I didn't like to go in those tough spots. But I cannot tell you how many times I was in those tough spots. I began to preach the name of Jesus to those people. And all of a sudden they would soften up. Or they cussed me out. If they cussed me out, I said, praise the Lord. If they softened up, I said, can I pray with you? Talk about the ministry of reconciliation. And so if we don't know what else to do, we can always be on alert for that. All of us have God's call on our life to be the best Christian we can be. And now I'm going to tell you, tell you another statement I wrote with that in my notes. And if he shows us something more specific, like uh, Mrs. Pastor and I, Pastor Dave, Katie, and other preachers you know, if he shows you, He's got something other than being Mr. Reconciliation than praise the Lord. If he doesn't show you anything else, he's already told you the word of God. You're supposed to be a witness. Mr. Reconciliation. You know, I think about different truck docks I worked at that I considered myself because of the call pastor. I mean, it wasn't any way manifested, but I was like a pastor to a lot of dock workers and truck drivers 
they all brought me their problems. Because although I wasn't walking as a pastor yet, I had grace on me for helping people like that. It just amazed me. As a matter of fact, the other day, somebody else, I, I just met somebody and talked to them. Next thing I know, I'm knowing about all their kids' problems, grown kids I've talked about, all the marriage problems, and all the different things in life for the last 30-some years. I told Mrs. Pastor, I said, wow. I said, that's the first time I met a stranger lately where they laid their whole life out for me. They don't even know me. But the thing is, we're a magnet for hurting people. And so as a pastor, as, as a person called to be a pastor, it was amazing to me how much marriage counsel the Lord had me give sinners and people out there because of the wisdom of God in me and the anointing of God on me and things like that. But we've always got to be ready. And so what I'm saying is this. If you don't know what else to do after your life, God's already said, I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. That means getting people connected with God. He said through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So anyway, uh, if, he doesn't, if he doesn't tell you something specific, you're not led to anything specific, be a good Christian. Stay saved. You know, something I've said a lot lately, but it needs to be said. You can't be a double agent and be effective. You can't be one of them and win them. If you're going to be in mixed among them, be in there as a, as, as a secret agent, not a double agent. You're an agent for Christ. Now turn back to 1 Corinthians 9, and I'm going to read again out of the Living Bible. We're going to look at verse 25, pick up where we left off a minute ago. Verse 25 says this, because we're running a race to win. To win the contest, you must deny yourselves many things that would keep you from doing your best. You know, I think about my, my granddaughter. Think about my daughter. You don't know all the vacations and things they've given up because they had to be there practicing because she feels so called to be an Olympic swimmer. There's things of Christians that we have to give up sometimes. You know, I think about, I think about you know, when I, especially when I was a single man. You know, people really thought I was nuts, but praise God for the fruit now. All the people's lives I've been able to help to change because of my dedication. When I was a single man, basically all I did, I went to work, I went to church, and what else you do in between time? I either went out soul winning, or I went home, prayed, read my Bible, went to sleep. That's what I did. I was in training. I didn't really know that I was in training for ministry like this, but I was in training. I denied myself a lot of things other people were doing because I knew that I was on the inside of me. I was so hungry for the Word of God. I was so hungry for fellowship with Him. I didn't watch TV. I didn't watch movies. Matter of fact, Mrs. Pastor and I, it's amazing to me. We'll see a movie that came out 20 or 30 years ago for the first time. I would think, well, that's what we heard all those people talk about. They've talked about it, but they was talking about it 30 years ago. It was it for the first time. I think, well, that was pretty good. I like that. And, you know, sometimes we'll let it slip. We'll be talking to somebody and say, you know what we just saw? Something like that and say, really? That, that's Turner's classic movies now. But classic movies, we just saw it. But the thing was, we never had time in our schedule for what God wanted us to do to seek entertainment. Then, of course, after we had kids, then we did do recreation with the kids, ball games and stuff you do with kids because, you know, we weren't we want, we want religious nuts. We was dedicated Christians. And so we didn't raise our kids warped. We did deny our kids the right 
know about all the sins. We did our best to make sure they were around good Christian influence. Somebody said, man, they're going to have warped kids. They don't want to go all the world. Man, all they had to do was be alive. You can't avoid what's going on in the world, but you don't have to be a part of it. Man, I'd rather be a spectator than a participant. And same thing for my kids. And so what I'm saying, he said right here, if, if you're going to be a Christian that's running your race to win, he said, you're going to deny yourself many things. And, you know, that's just like Hebrews chapter, chapter 12 says, lay aside every sin of the weights that slow you down. There's a lot of things, they're not sin, but they're time stealers. And, you know, I just, I know that uh, years and years ago when we were first married, there's a really good magazine that probably everybody reads. It's a good, but nothing wrong about it all. Got a lot of good stuff in it. And my, one of my in-laws used to give me a subscription every year for Christmas, this magazine. After about three or four years, they came and they laid until we gave them away because I knew with my limited time being a truck driver, take care of a family, that if I read that magazine, I'm, I'm the kind of person when I read, I like to read it and finish it. If I watch a show or movie, I like to watch the whole thing. I like to know what's going on. And so I knew that if I get caught up reading these magazines, I'll get hooked again. If I get hooked again, then my Bible will lay over here, and I'll be reading this all day long because the little jokes in there is funny, the little stories are funny, and all that stuff's good to read. But guess what? It wasn't conductive to develop my faith in Christ. And so I started praying after I got those three or four years. I said, Lord, please have them not send those to me anymore. I know that they're just nice, entertaining things to read, but they're wasting their money. I don't read them. I just burn them. And so I'm just saying in our life as Christians, if we're going to run our race to win, we got to recognize the same we've heard, the difference between a good thing and a God thing. Choices have consequences. If we're going to run a race to win, we got to choose what's necessary. Amen. And you know, I just, I just want to say this again. I'm not anti-TV. I'm not anti-movies. I'm not anti-entertainment. I'm just saying we've got to choose priorities because we're in training. We're in training for God's plan and purpose for our life all the time. And so anyway, it says, so uh, those things would keep you from doing your best. An athlete goes to all this trouble just to win a blue ribbon or a silver cup. But we do it for a heavenly reward that never disappears. And you know, in our, in our prayer meeting today, we had our Sunday night prayer. As we were closing out in prayer, I just closed my eyes and I was praising the Lord and thanking Him for a lot of different things I've seen in my spiritual race. But then I got to thinking about what's most important to him. I said, Jesus, I want to thank you. And I actually started crying a little bit. I want to thank you, Jesus, for I get to come to heaven and see all those people that have went before me, all those ones I've known that are there. To me, what greater reward can you have than seeing people you love that you influenced and they were on the road to hell, but because you're serious Christian life, you influenced them to receive Jesus. You know, I remember the day that my dad was on his deathbed at 69 years old in Veterans Hospital in Indianapolis, Indiana. Had incurable disease. My dad had been anti everything I believed in all my Christian life. I got I got saved at 28 and a half. And so my dad had been, for nothing I believed in Christian-wise, 
Well, my dad was on that, on that deathbed. He was in the hospital. I remember first started seeing him out there before Thanksgiving. I remember after New Year's, still go up there to visit with him. But I remember after he was up there long enough at 69 years old, and I'd been coming up there to see him. I, one day I said, Dad, I said, are you ready to receive Jesus now? I said, can I pray for you to receive Jesus? I said, my dad said, yeah, I'm ready. And so I prayed with him. I asked the Lord to give him at least another 10 years. My dad lived to 83 years old. He said the John Hopkins book of medicine, at that point in time, they only knew of three cases of that disease. It was something really weird. Had two of them died. One of them lived. Guess which one lived? Guess which one's in heaven? I remember the day my mom was really, really, really serious against my Christian faith. We went up to see my dad and my mom and all my brothers. They're watching this. Bless you in Jesus' name. Praise God. Get right. We went up there and they said of the smoke-filled, they still have smoke in hospital back, the smoke-filled room in the front. I walked in the door, and my mom saw me and Mrs. Pastor come and looked at her watch, said, you got 15 minutes to get out. That's somebody pretty much anti what we believe in. Well, I remember the day, a few years later, down to visit my dad and mom, my mom with tears in her eyes said, Bernie, come in here a minute so I can talk to you. So we left the room where we were, went into her bedroom, and she said, something's wrong with me. Will you pray for me? And I said, Mom, I said, you know, there's only one way I know to pray. I said, I'm going to ask you again, Mom. Do you believe in Jesus? You ready to get right with God? I'm ready now. I held Mom's hands. I prayed. She received Jesus. And it wasn't long after that she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And just, I mean, things, but I'll tell you this. My mom, for the last, I think she did another three or four years, she is a new creature in Christ. And we got there to see her, and we could see the love of God come out of her, even if her mind messed up. She is a whole different woman. So I'm saying this. To me, it pays to be a fanatic for Jesus. It pays to be sold out. It pays to lay down all those things that are time stillers so you got faith to do that. You know, when you're, your parents, I don't know about you guys, this is a different generation. My parents, even being non-Christian parents, and as rude and coarse as they were sometimes as an adult, I would never, ever, 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 ever back-talk my dad and mom. I would never do that. And then after, as a Christian, I realized that the Bible tells me in Ephesians chapter, chapter 6, that if I honor my parents, it'll be well with me. I'll live long upon this earth. And so I just want to say something to the kids out there, teenagers, the rest of you. Don't bad talk, don't don't back talk, bad mouth dad and mom, be submissive, even if they're not great parents, it's the right thing to do. Amen. Isn't that right? It's the right thing to do. And so I'm so grateful because I showed respect and honor for them all the days of their lives that they trusted the Jesus in me enough to pray for them. And so what I'm saying is this it says our rewards are in heaven. I'm so grateful to know that my dad and mom's there. And then I think about my younger brother. My younger brother led him to Jesus, led his wife to Jesus. And since I've been in California, he died in Indiana, but we got to be out there praying with him. And my brother's in heaven. And you know, to me, all the glitter 
all the money, all the fun stuff or whatever it is on earth is not worth it to be compared to eternal salvation. He said, we're running our race for a reward that never disappears. And the only thing I know that's forever is Jesus and human spirits. Amen. And so it says the heavenly reward never disappears. And so he says this. I like this. I love this verse right here. This is one of my favorites. Verse 26. So I run straight to the goal with purpose in every step. That sounds intentional, doesn't it? Now listen to this. I fight to win. I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. <laughs> I always get a picture when I see that. It might not be funny to you, it's real funny to me. He said, I'm not just shadow boxing or playing around. When I was a young truck driver, 18 years old, I was on the midnight shift of this truck dock. I had this one guy, he had a pretty stocky, mean looking guy, and did a lot of loud talking. <laughs> uh, Russell and George. <laughs> he was a loud talker. Russell was a barroom brawler. Russell was an, old, was an older guy, but he was a real fighter. I mean, one day, George always went around trying to start little skirmishes. You know, these guys get out and smack somebody and say, want to play around. I remember at the end of the dock, about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, he got there and started having Russell. Smacked to Russell like a couple times. Russell, whop! <laughs> He's, hey, I'm just playing. <laughs> and Russell said, I don't shadow box that I fight to win. He never, never, ever, ever messed with Russell again. Every time I see this here, when he said, I'm not just shadow box, I'm playing around thinking about we as Christian, man. This isn't a game. This is not a game when it comes to eternity. This is not a game when it comes to born again. These people are out there, uh, you, can't, you can't play around with sin. These people are out there that are dying, that are lost, that are possessed, and totally controlled by the devil. They need the real stuff. You need to let them know. And so, you know, one thing that I've never done, I'm just thinking about this here, I've never laughed, as far as I know, my whole Christian life, at a sex joke when people, family reunions, they start telling the dirty jokes. I've never laughed at one. Because I'm not just shadow boxing a player. I'm not going to laugh at a dumb, nasty joke just to fit in. I've never, ever, ever stared at their pictures. Yeah, they start the put-down jokes about a race or about women or other things like that. I don't laugh at their jokes. They all say their stupid little stuff and laugh. I don't. Why? Is I'm like Russell, man. I'm going to take a pop at the devil. I'm not going to sit around here and just play around and be a part of it. How can you be a part of it and help change it? Amen. And so he says, I'm not just shadow boxer or played around. Like an athlete, I punish my body, treating it roughly, training it to do what it should, not what it wants to. you got to tell your body when to go to bed. you got to tell your body how long you can stay in bed. He said, I make my body do what it should, not what it wants to. Otherwise, I fear that for listening to others for the race, I myself might be declared unfit in order to stand aside. And so I want to say this about trading the body stuff. <clears throat> I was reading in our Proverbs today, Proverbs 23. Did anybody else read Proverbs 23? If you did, you saw this, that God put gluttons and drunkards in the same category. God said that gluttons and drunkards 
both be dizzy-minded and they'll both come to shame. And so we as Christians, it's okay to eat good. And I mean, you know, we all sometimes at the holiday stuff we do, but don't be a pig. Don't pig out all the time because the Bible says that's the same thing as a drunkard. So we need to train our bodies to do right. Has anybody besides me ever noticed when you really pig out how you get kind of giddy-headed and you can't function? It's just kind of almost like the high days. Well, if we're going to be sharp all the time, we need to do something to control our body. And have you ever noticed that if you stay up till midnight or 1 o'clock on Saturday night fellowshipping, it's really hard to come to church on Sunday? Your body's got to rest. And so I know that we ourselves trained ourselves years and years and years ago because we used to see it used to be kind of an easy thing. All of a sudden, you got the kids in bed. It's 9 o'clock Saturday night. Church is tomorrow. And you get a knock on the door or a telephone call. Some excited Christian that you know is going to fellowship for three hours wants to come in and fellowship. Say, no, I can't. Tomorrow's church day. I can't do it. I'd like to fellowship with you on Saturday. We can hang out Friday night. But if we are going to be effective, we got to know what we've got to do to control our physical body. And I don't know about you, but my physical body doesn't function that great on Sunday morning if I've had three or four hours sleep. And you know what am I talking about? I'm talking about that athlete he's talking about that's in training to win the prize. If you're in training... For all God has for you to do, you're going to, you have to set some restrictions on things. And you know something else? Uh, I learned a long time ago, too. I noticed as a young Christian that a lot of times you talk to somebody, they say, well, I'm sorry, I got an appointment. And I thought, well, I don't want to be rude to people when I know that I've worked all day, all, all week and overtime, Monday through Friday, Sunday's church day, and my only time to really spend time with Jesus on Saturday. I said, Jesus... I'd like to make an appointment tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. I don't want to hang out with you for a few hours. Somebody said, hey, 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 I got tickets to the such so Can you do this Saturday morning? I said, I'm sorry, I've already got an appointment. Well, I don't know what my appointment is. You're not saying too super spooky religious, so I got an appointment. So if you don't make an appointment with Jesus, then they're going to be easy to break. And it's going to be easy, as Pastor Dave said this morning, to get sidetracked head the wrong direction. So you've got to set aside time to go into training with the master. Amen. And we're talking about what to do. It seems like nothing's happening. Keep on being a Christian. And so what I want to do, I'm going to just close off with not a whole lot of other comment than to read it. But I've centered my life around verses 20 through 23. And listen to this close. This will really help you not to be a double agent but to be an undercover agent. Verse 20 through 23, Paul tells how he lived, and I've lived by these verses. He says this, When I'm with the Jews, I seem as one of them, so that they will listen to the gospel, and I can win them to Christ. When I'm with Gentiles who follow Jewish customs and ceremonies, I don't argue, even though I don't agree because I want to help them. I want to say that again. He said, I don't argue with them, but I don't agree with them, because I want to help them. I'm going to tell you what, what difference does it make if you win a religious argument 
but the one you wanted to see get saved goes to hell. So there's so many people I've been around over the years had a lot of goofy religious thinking they thought was right. And if the door wasn't open where I could really share what they needed to hear, I just keep my mouth shut till they shut up. And then we pick up the conversation. You know, an argument, you know, let's, let's put it this way. Don't fight battles that aren't worth winning. Why would you want a win, a stupid conversation, and then walk away and miss the goal? The goal was to influence them. Amen? And then he says, when with the heathen, I agree with them as much as I can, except, of course, that I must always do what is right as a Christian. You know, I, I, I know that when I was a truck driver, I've never been a sports person. Man, I'd I, I sit for these guys at the place I went to. Man, they'd talk about all kinds of ball games, Super Bowls, Corn Bowls, or whatever kind of bowls. I'd sit there and listen to all the stuff like that. Man, I didn't know a quarterback from a paperback. You know, I'd hear all the different talk, but I'd act like I was listening. Oh, that's cool, man. 20 yards? Wow. Well, that, that's cool, man. Over the goal? Wow. And then in between time, somewhere in there, because, because there's a spiritual law, given it shall be given, I say, Lord, I've given them my ear. Now cause them to give me their ear. And then I'd be able to work in my stuff. And because they thought I was excited like they were, I was excited about my time to talk about Jesus, but they thought I was excited like they were, they wouldn't shut me off. I'd be able to share then. And so he says, except, of course, I must always act like a Christian. And so by agreeing, I can win their confidence and then help them. And then when I'm with those whose consciences bother them easily, I don't act as though I know it all and don't say they're foolish. The result is they're willing to let me help them. And I'm just going to say something about the times we live in. Pro-vaccine, no-vaccine, for-vaccine, what's that got to do with eternity in heaven? Why would you ever want to argue with somebody about things here on earth when you're going to go to heaven and they're probably not going to go to heaven? Why would you fight about that? You know, if their consciences will not allow them to do something, or their consciences do allow them to do something, that's between them and God. Our whole goal is one thing. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Why would we want to argue with somebody about who the president is, about these dumb things? We've all got our own thoughts on that. We call it the ministry of reconciliation, not recruiting for, for a political party. I've lived this way for 42 years, and I've led a lot of people to Jesus because if I'm with somebody that's really hungry for the truth and they've got wrong biblical, biblical ideas and they want to talk about things that they really want to know, I can tell it in my heart. And then I'll talk with them to help them, but it's not a debate. It's just sharing them what the Bible says. Amen. I'll say it again, Isaac. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. Is that four? <laughs> and so anyway, as we're closing this out, then he's, he says, yes, whatever person is like, I try to find common ground with him so he will let me tell him about Christ and let Christ save him. I do this to get the gospel to them and also for the blessing I myself receive when I see them come to Christ. And so what do you do? It looks like it's not working. Be a strong Christian. 
pray for God to let you see people you can talk to. And the thing is, if he doesn't give you anybody, don't force it to offend people. Just wait. Because you'll always know in your heart, well, this is my case. And if we'll live like that, then we'll be prepared for what the Lord has us do next. Because he always goes from season to seasons. If you're faithful in the season you're in, the new season will come. Amen? And you'll be ready for it. And so that's the best I got. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's stand up. And as Josh leads us in worship, I have my one and only favorite right-hand lady right here with me. And behind every good man, there's a woman. <laughs> a good woman, a godly woman. And so she's anointed. I'm anointed. And if you want hands laid on you, we'll lay hands on you, release the anointing of God. And we have another good woman coming up right here, right on time. Or just keep doing what you know to do and you'll get promoted. <laughs> Amen. If you need prayer, come up here. But in the meantime, let's just worship Jesus together. And we'll we'll pray and help you. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. and fill the atmosphere your glory God is what our hearts long for to be overcome by your presence Lord Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Your presence, Lord. your presence let us experience the glory of your goodness let us become 
I'm more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Casey, hallelujah, amen, isn't this good to be in the presence of the Lord, and this girl very plainly Wednesday night told me she wants to do this closeout thing, but you're the one I saw did all the talking, I, I, I can't see Sabrina from here, I see you, I don't have my binoculars, I can't see that far. Hallelujah. At any, at any rate, Katie said she wants to do the closing. We got this. We? You got a mouse in your pocket? I do. No, not you. <laughs> Casey may do it. He gets to do it all the time. Okay, I got this. It's not James. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Are we ready, guys? We're ready. Let's do this. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our flammies are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is saved. Barstow is strong. 
Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Woo! Amen. Go and be blessed.